Today, Pastor Javen continues our series called Shape Up, a series on spiritual formation. And today we'll look at the motives behind why we give and serve others. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here on this bright, sunshiny, cold uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Uh, it is a weekend that we honor this great man of God. He didn't do something just to give you a day off of work, right? Uh, he did a lot of great things, not for himself, but for the glory of God and, and uh, trying to move civil rights in the direction it needed to be for those in his, uh, the African-American community. Today, we still, while we've seen much progress, we still pray uh, for our hearts and for any prejudice and racism that may be in our hearts that we battle, that sometimes come out in our actions and our words. We pray that God continues to, to move us in a place where we see each other as just one, uh, one body together, especially following when we're following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And, um, and I, I love this statement from Martin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that he made. I believe it, it really takes us into what we're talking about today. The statement that says, Use me, God. Show me how to take who I am who I want to be and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. I love that because the scripture that Mr. Rich read for us this morning, Jesus is teaching us that exact thing. It's not what we can do, what we have that is done for ourselves and for our glory and for our praise. It's done for the glory of God. I was reading an article in Buzzfeed. Yeah, I know that's high intellectual uh, reading. I get it. I know. But I was reading this article and it was, it was talking about random acts of kindness, um, that had been done in people's lives. And, and, uh, this one story was just a classic story. Uh, this lady was remembering her time as a, as a child. She was 10 years old. She tells a story of when her, uh, her mother and her father sadly divorced and, uh, she ends up living with her mom and she remembers those first years of that time being very difficult for them, uh, financially, uh, mother had not been the one that brought in money for the family. And so this was a difficult time. And she specifically remembers their first Christmas. We're just coming out of that holiday holiday. She remembers their first Christmas together. And mom was upset because she wasn't able to provide a Christmas like what they had experienced. But one on Christmas Eve night, there was a knock on the door. So they went to the door classic story. You probably know what's going to happen. She opens the door and there on the, at the bottom of the door on the step there was an envelope. Someone had dropped off anonymously a gift of hundreds of dollars and said that they wanted to bless them on this Christmas. And she talks about how that just brought joy to her family and to them in that moment to know that someone was thinking of them. If you've ever been on that side of receiving some type of act of kindness or some type of gift of, of kindness in that way, and even if you've been on the other side, been the one doing or giving in that realm, you know that there is this overwhelming sense of joy and gratitude that comes on both sides of being able to do that. Um, and the whole purpose and the, 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 the hope is if you're someone that does that, is that when you do it, the person that receives it, that is benefited from that act of kindness you may do for them or the, the gift that you may give them, your hope is that they realize that 
God in heaven, their creator knows their needs and he will provide and he'll make a way. That's the hope. If we're following Christ and we started this series last week called shape up. We're looking at, uh, what it means to grow in our spiritual formation, to grow in our relationship with Christ. That should be our goal. That should be what we're, what we're shooting for. Yes, we receive salvation from Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And we have eternal life in him. But our goal every day as we live this life should be to grow more and more in that relationship. That's why I told you at the beginning of the year to, to let Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, be a prayer for yourself and for your loved ones. God, let me grow more and more in my knowledge of you in spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? And the reason we do that, so we produce a fruit and live a life that brings glory to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we said last week, as we're growing in the spiritual formation, Jesus taught us one of the best, a a great way to start is in our prayer life with God, our heavenly father, the one who loves us, because it's about cultivating and cherishing that relationship with the father. Jesus didn't teach about prayer and teach about how to pray just to give you something else to do, to add to a checklist, to do every day of your life. He gave you this to understand how important prayer is and that it builds that relationship with the father so that you grow in him the way that he longs for you to grow in him. As we, we go back into this section in Matthew chapter six, where we are, where Rich read for us this morning, it's a section that's just before what we read last week. It's still in that Sermon on the Mount. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount that we hear about, it starts in Matthew chapter five. And when Jesus starts this sermon, you know, he walks up on this hillside and that's why it's called Sermon on the Mount, because he kind of goes up on this mountainside, this hillside, and people start gathering around him and he starts speaking these words of life to him and he starts by giving this list of what we know as the uh, Beatitudes. And he gives them these things that really it's not so much about what you do externally. It's about your heart as, a, as you follow God. Many of those around were Jews that were listening to him. They were followers of Yahweh. They had heard many things about the law and they knew the law backwards and forwards, especially the Pharisees and the scribes. They knew these things. They knew what, they're, what they were supposed to do. And Jesus starts digging a little bit deeper into not just what you're supposed to do, but why are you doing what you do? And then from when he moves on from the Beatitudes, he goes into this section where he begins to talk about being salt and light. We'll come back to that in just a second. And then he moves into, he hits a couple of those commandments that they would have heard. He tells them, you, you've heard you shouldn't murder anyone. You, which those around them looking at their names, like, yeah, that's probably, that's a good thing. Don't, don't kill them. All right. That's not, don't do that. And Jesus tells them, you've heard that. He says, but do you know, if you have hatred in your heart, that's, that's kind of just as bad to which it probably went just like it is right now. Really quiet. Cause they're like, huh? Well, I thought I was doing a good thing by not killing them. There's the hatred there. You can't even look at them because you hate them so. Jesus is digging a little. Then he says, you, you know, you've heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. Both of those things are in that list of the 10 commandments that God gave Moses when he came down from that mountain. 
He says, you, 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 you know the teaching. Don't commit adultery. That's right. Well, you know, if you lust, that's kind of just as bad. Again, probably just like it is right now. Really quiet. Probably some people sinking on the hillside. I need to go to the bathroom. That's our escape, right? I got to go to the bathroom. Excuse me. And I mean, this is what Jesus is calling out some things because he's saying, look, it's more than just your outward expression and what you're able to do and don't do. Let's look at the heart. And he's talking about these moral issues in their life. And then he goes into this, the whole practical side of the reason they're doing the things he's doing in this section that Rich read for us in the beginning of Matthew chapter six. And he starts looking at the reason they do their acts of kindness. They do their good deeds. The reason they give. And I almost wonder when Jesus says those things, did the words of the wise King Solomon start resonating in some of their heads? Because some of them may have known these words. Pretty sure they did. We see it in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 21. Solomon wrote these words. He says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. So I wonder, are they sitting there thinking, well, I remember Solomon said something like that. And, and so we, you know, he's, when Solomon wrote this, he's saying, look, you know that when silver and gold is put into fire, the whole purpose of it is to bring up the impurities that are within it, to bring those impurities to the surface When you receive praise, Solomon says, what can happen is that praise can bring some impurities within you to the surface. It's how you handle that praise, how you receive it, what you, what you do with it. And Jesus is kind of echoing this teaching and he's pointing it out and he's digging a little bit deeper and he's trying to get them to understand that we need to be at a place where we evaluate the reason for why we do what we do for God. The reason we serve, the reason we give, the reason that we live out our actions. And I hit on this last week when we we introduced this series and I talked to you about the danger of being drawn into our, our, our faith when we get into this faith, doing everything out of our own efforts and our own Abilities, and, and I told us that what happens is we begin to think our worth is determined by our work for Christ. But Jesus has already defined our worth on the cross. I share with you that quote from Pastor Tim Keller that says, Religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. But the gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. It's a different mindset. It's, a, it's the mindset that says, the whole reason I do what I do in this life is out of love for my Father. It's not out of a desire to be noticed or to be seen or to be recognized or to build my worth towards something. And Jesus is telling them, look, you need to check those motives because the only approval in your life that matters is the approval of God. But see, the the problem is that often his approval is not the only approval we're seeking. We're often looking for that approval from others, that recognition, that pat on the back to say job well done, 
Way to go. But the danger in wanting the recognition of others is that we lose the approval of God when we seek the applause of man. So we have to be aware of that. And this is what Jesus is teaching them. And I want us to be aware that something done in public is different from something done to be seen. Do we understand that? Because there's times that the acts that you do, the thing, sometimes maybe something you give, it may happen publicly. The public may see it. But there's a difference in something being done in public and something being done to seen, to be seen. Right? The difference is our heart. When our motives behind all that is colored with self-centeredness, the desire to draw attention to ourselves, where it's all about being noticed, then what's happening is the righteousness that we're living in, it's not the righteousness of Christ, it's self-righteousness. Because we're trying to make ourselves look approved and look worthy. So Jesus... It's telling them, don't do these good things just to be admired. But now just before this teaching in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 that we see, I told you there was this section of teaching from Jesus where he's talking about being salt and being light. This is in Matthew chapter 5. It's kind of in the middle there. And he, he tells them, look, you're, you're to be salt. If you're following Yahweh, who they call God, if you, our Lord, our, if, you're, if you're following God, you're to be salt. So he tells them, you got to stay salty. And not in the sense like, you know, we use that phrase like, man, they're very salty. Like mad, angry. No, you stay salty in the sense that you're meant to preserve the kingdom culture within the world around you. It's, it's like, the, I love the message translation. I've said this before when I've referenced the scripture. It's, it's, it writes, he says, we are to be the God, we are to be salt, bringing out the God flavors of the world around us. So don't lose your saltiness in that regards. Lose the one that where you're salty, angry. But be salty and preserve the culture of the kingdom within the world around us because the Lord knows it needs us. But then he goes into this in Matthew chapter 5 and he starts talking about being light. And he says, you're a light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And think about this. If you're in your home, you don't go in your living room and turn the lamp on and then put it in the closet and shut the door and say, I, got, I turned the lights on. That would be pointless, right? And this is what Jesus is saying. And so he says in the same way, look what he says, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Wait, what? Something seems afoot here, doesn't it? Because... He tells them in this section, let your good deeds shine for all to see. But then we go into Matthew chapter six and he says, don't do your good deeds to be seen by others. Is it, huh? But Jesus isn't contradicting himself here. Because if you know the passage, you know, he goes on in this statement and he says, you do then let them shine out so that everyone will praise your father in heaven. And then when he gets in Matthew chapter six, what we see, but as he keeps talking and he goes on about the hatred and about lust and he gets into the next section and he tells them, you know, don't do your good deeds to be seen. What was the next statement? 
so that others will admire you or praise you. The statement is not contradictory from Jesus. What Jesus is doing is he's calling out the motives of your heart. You do your good deeds. You do the things that you do from the giftings that God has placed in you, from the resources that God has given you. You do those things so that God will be praised. Don't do them to get praise for yourself. That's the difference in what Jesus is teaching. See, praise is a litmus test for character and righteousness. Praise will bring to surface those things that need to be brought to surface. The actions of our life, they should tell the story of our transformation. When we are when we come to Christ and, and we recognize that our salvation is in Him and in Him alone, that it comes from nowhere else. And we realize that the gospel teaches us the words of the early church, the, uh, Paul, Peter, they all share us. Look, when you accept that and you realize that, then what happens is a change happens in your life. You become a new person, basically. And so now the things that you do, you're a different person. You're new in Christ. And so all of those new actions, they should tell the story of your transformation. And they should tell what that transformation means to you. How much it means to you. But we do it. And we let that change take place. And we, we, we let these new Actions begin to grow in our life, not so others will look at us and say, look how good you're doing. Nope. (laughs) I'm not doing anything other than growing in my knowledge of who God is. And the more I grow in him, the more he produces through me. It's all about the father. If, If it was up to me, everything I would be doing would be selfish. So what do we do then? Well, we keep serving and you keep giving because Jesus said, let your light shine. You are, it is a command for you to permit the light of God to shine through you. But you do it for the glory of God. How many of you clean your light bulbs? You ever clean your light bulbs? You know, uh, they tell us that we should dust, especially those, the new LED light bulbs we use, we should dust those often because they will collect enough dust to gradually dim the light in your house over time. So I'm wondering how many people going to go home today and dust their lights. And the Department of Energy tells us that light bulbs can be 50% dimmer than clean ones. But here's what happens. They're 50% dimmer, but they're pulling the same amount of power. <laughs> now I wonder. Now, because now you're just, now you're thinking about your electric bill. Sometimes our light needs to be cleaned. Because we might be doing a lot of work, pulling a lot of energy, putting a lot of effort in, but it's all selfish. And the light of God is not shining through the way it needs. 
But the more you serve, the more you grow in him, the more the Holy Spirit works in you and shows you those things that needs to be cleansed, that needs to be purified in your life so that you can walk with him the way that you need to walk with him. The great pastor Charles Spurgeon, he said this, he made this statement. He said, it's important that we have a right aim for if we attain the result of a wrong aim, our success will be a failure. You can say, well, I met my goal. I mean, you had the wrong goal. And that's what Jesus is telling these guys. He's he's telling these Pharisees and all these people that are doing these things. He's saying, look, the goal is wrong. And so what you think is success is really just a failure. And he tells them, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, he tells them, the people that go around the city blowing trumpets, don't do like these hypocrites do. You almost wonder, is this where the phrase toot your own horn came from? And Jesus, Jesus calls them hypocrites. We talked about this last week. That word, when they hear that word, in this day when they heard that word, it drew their mind straight to an actor on a stage performing a, putting on a show wearing a mask. Because that's what a hypocrite is. It's someone putting on a show wearing a mask. And Jesus is pointing out to many of these people around you, many of these people listening, the idea of religion and being a follower of God is all about the external observance. Because you're wearing your elaborate tassels. You're being very legalistic to keep all the observances of the law. Great. He said, but inside your heart is bitterness. There's hatred. There's jealousy. There's pride. There's lust. There's all these things inside your heart. And all the only thing your outward expression of religious acts are doing are concealing a heart that's fueled and led by godly godlessness. Your, your, the things that you do in this life, Jesus is saying, don't do them just to conceal the sin, the selfishness that's on the inside. Let them be done because your Savior has transformed you from the inside and changed your life and let them bring glory to God. Because look, he's telling them, he's saying, your self-righteous service, it's doing nothing for this body of people is what Jesus is telling them. Because all your self-righteous service is doing is it's putting people in debt to you. Every person there put a heavy weight on those Pharisees and those religious leaders. But we can do the same. How much does it make us feel good when we feel like that the job won't get done, the act won't get done, the thing won't happen without us? Our self-righteous service does nothing for the body and does nothing for the community, does nothing for the whole. Righteousness that God accepts is his character reproduced in us and through us for his good pleasure. That's what he longs for. That's what he desires for us to do these things to bring glory to him. The pastor and author, John Piper, he makes this statement. He says, when the people of God are set free 
from the compulsion of self-examination or self-exaltation, rather, self-justification, self-preservation, so that we live for the eternal good of other people, then we become the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And people notice in us the reality of God and give him glory. We have to move away from it being about us. So Jesus is teaching them. He says, look, if you want to shape up in your spiritual life and in your formation, in your walk with God, if you want to shape up, then you need to start by checking the motives of your heart. Why? Why are you doing the things you do in this life? Is it just so others will see you and applaud your change or applaud what you're doing for someone else? Or are you doing it because God is leading you to and all the glory goes to him? Are you just pretending to be a follower of God? Paul, when he wrote his first letter to the church of Corinth, he addressed some of this because there's a lot happening in the church of Corinth. And one of the first things he starts to address is apparently there's people arguing about who should be praised for what what's happened. You know, Paul, Apollos should get this praise. No, Paul should get this praise. And so Paul writes them and he addresses this whole thing. And he starts talking about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We get into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says these words. He says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. Now that sounds to initially as arrogance, but it's not. That's not what he's saying. Because you keep going, he says, he says, I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. He's like, I, I can't, you know, I try to evaluate myself, but, but I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. He keeps going. He says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And he goes into verse five. He says, so don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. He will bring our darkest secrets to light. In other words, he's going to reveal what's in our hearts, just like he's doing in a way here in this message that he's preaching to this body of people at this time on this mountainside. He says, he's going to bring our darkest secrets to light. And look at what he says. He will reveal our private motives. In other words, he's going to show why you did the things you did in this life. But then look at this next statement, because this is what drives Paul. It's not the approval of all those at that church. This is what drives him. God will give to each one whatever praise is due. In other words, Paul is saying, I don't work for the applause of man. I do what I do for the approval of God. I'm just trusting and following him and obeying him. Because Paul knew my salvation, my salvation came from no one other than Jesus Christ himself. My salvation didn't even come from what I do on my own efforts. When he wrote to the church of Ephesus, he wrote in Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse eight, he said, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You cannot take credit for that. It is a gift from God. And he said the same for him. He says, salvation's not, not a reward for the good things you've done. The reward from God is not salvation because of your good deeds. Salvation is done through Jesus Christ. That's so nobody can boast. But if you keep going, he does tell you this in verse, the very next verse, we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. He does have something good to do through you. Salvation is given to you by grace. 
Nothing can be done to merit that salvation. But what the believer has achieved for God's glory, God recognizes with rewards in eternity. So here's what Jesus is telling you. You're made righteous by the grace of God. You can't do anything to make yourself righteous. If everything you're doing is to make yourself look good, that's self-righteousness. You are made righteous by the grace of God through Christ Jesus. But that righteousness should be expressed through our life to bring glory to God. So, serve others with selflessness. Give with joy. But do all those things, not for the applause of man, but for the approval of God. I'll close with this one simple statement. This life on this side of eternity, it's not about what you can receive stuff. It's not about what you can receive in words and praise and recognition from other people. The life on this side of eternity is about what you can give for God's glory now. Stand with me this morning. Father, we honor you today. We thank you for creating us the way that you have created us. We thank you for the gifts that you have put in each and every one of us. We thank you for the resources that you have blessed us with. And Lord, we know through your word, the reason that we have those things or so that we can bring you glory. Not for ourselves. So Father, I thank you today for the salvation that we have received. Not by anything we've done. But through the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ on the cross. We can't boast in an eternal salvation. We can't boast in anything. But what we can do is serve you out of love. In a way that draws people's attention, not to ourselves, but to the change that you can bring in their life, the grace that you can bring in their life, to glory through you. So Father, that's why we pray and sing and we worship and we say, lead us where we can barely stand. Because Father, if the only things we're doing are the things that we can accomplish on our own efforts, then we truly aren't trusting you. We want to be in places where we trust you and you alone to work. Because then we know that truly you will receive all the glory. So Father, any person in this room today that needs their life transformed and changed, I pray that they hunger for you today, that they realize that true salvation, that true transformation in their life takes place by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, believing what he's done for us on the cross. And as we do that, Father, I pray that our heart's cry would be to honor you with everything we do and say. And we worship you for that in Jesus' name.
If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.